0: Well, friends, I feel like I've already been talking about grief this morning a bit. But this morning, as we are, as I mentioned, getting close to the one-year mark of being in this pandemic time, as we are in this sermon series on being human and what it means that Jesus is among us in different aspects of our humanity, I am going to be talking about grief today. And... I don't know. I was <laughs> I was getting ready for the sermon. And so I was actually looking back at sort of our weekly email blasts that we sent out to our church a year ago and kind of noting, you know, what, what was happening for our church a year ago. One, um, well, just to even know our churches back then was a very different group you know a lot of you have joined us in this last year which is a huge and unexpected gift in this pandemic time but you know I was looking back and like last year almost exactly a year ago was the first time we sent out an email about COVID and we had said oh you know um, Alameda County has had three cases of COVID so you know we're not too concerned right now but you know make sure you stay home if you're sick and make sure you wash your hands and try to distance, but we're going to still be gathering in person, you know, and little did we know that we would be here, you know, 51 Sundays later, um, a week after that immediately was when um, we kind of said, oh, no, This this is going to be a bigger deal than we thought, and so we canceled our in-person gatherings, and then we started gathering online. It was on March 16th that Alameda County declared that we were going to go into full-on shelter-in-place mode, and I don't know about you, but I think, you know, I think there's just reflecting back, there's so many ways that none of us could have even imagined or anticipated how deeply. This pandemic uh, would have impacted us. You know, five hundred twenty-five thousand Americans have died from COVID. Two point six million people around the world. And those are just all recorded cases, right? There's probably more than that. Um, and I was reading a statistic that one in three Americans, one in three, has lost someone that they know and love to COVID. One in three, and. I don't think any of us could have really prepared or planned for any of this. And, you know, I was thinking about it and I, I almost felt like the only appropriate analogy that I could kind of think of um, was like that we're, it's sort of like a war, like wartime, right? In wartime, um, your whole reality is disrupted. You know, obviously there's just tremendous amounts of trauma and grief and loss there's a lot of political drama in terms of how leaders are, what decisions they're making and how they impact um, people and citizens. And, and there's sort of these uh, ways that you have different moments of battle, right? And like, there's moments where, oh, there's like little victories, but then there's also moments where it's like tremendous amounts of loss and grief and trauma. And um, so I think that for all of us, um, I just want to, you know, say that we we shouldn't underestimate the immense layers and levels of trauma that we have undergone in this last year, and obviously I will say also that because of various levels of privilege and our social location, um, some people have been impacted a lot more than others, and and I think that is part of the injustice as well of this pandemic that we can all recognize. But I did want to make some space today for us to start, just start, this is not a complete space of grief, but just to start even unpeeling some of the layers. Um, I feel like, uh, I don't know, maybe our hearts have just had to protect, had to survive. Um, I know for myself, I was thinking about how hard it is for me to even think about grief. One, because I'm of I'm a, I'm a more communal person in some ways and it's hard for me to just grieve on my own in my room by myself, right? Like we wanna be together. We want to feel that ripple of grief go through a room, feel it in our bodies, to feel it in our flesh, um, to feel that choked up feeling, to, to know that the tears are being released, that, that a lot of times that comes more in community. And so being alone, I think is very challenging for us to access grief. I also think that there's a way that, for a lot of us, um, we've just been in survival mode, too, and want to acknowledge that, that every day we're just trying to survive, we're trying to get through all the different things we're facing, Um, and being in survival mode means that you don't often have the emotional bandwidth and energy to go there, to, to make space for grief, right? And some of us, maybe we have different cultural barriers to grief where it's sort of, you just suck it up. You just have to keep going. You know, you just, there's there's another list of to do's to do the next day and just keep going. And it's hard to find that space and find permission because we're not used to, um, to making room for grief that we have to just be okay we have to be strong we have to keep going and moving on um, and so there's just a lot of barriers to grief i want to say as well um, so there's just so many layers of grief um, there's so many barriers to grief And so I do wanna say that I understand that this topic today is a bit challenging. It's challenging for me personally. And I will say, I felt even nervous knowing, uh, thinking about this time and like knowing what's gonna happen in this time as we're talking about grief Um, for myself. Like, is there even space for me to feel? Uh, How will other people be feeling and entering in this space? And just wanna say it's okay that we're coming as we are Um, that we all grieve in different ways and uh, express it in different ways. But really, I just want us to just start acknowledging and facing um, some of the things that we're grieving in this past year. And so um, I wanted to just very briefly look at John 11 and the story of, 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 well, I mean, most people know the story is of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, but actually today I'm really wanting to look at the story of Jesus and Mary in particular um, in this John 11 narrative because I believe that there's a tremendous sort of witness uh, of grief uh, a testimony of what grief kind of looks like and um, well you can take the slide off actually I don't have any slides for um, this but I, I think um, I was thinking about this because most of us know John 11 as a story of Lazarus right and the truth is, you know, Lazarus is one part of the story, but there's also Martha and Mary who are um, Lazarus's beloved family members, right? And um, I was really struck by this section of the John 11 narrative, um, this interaction with Mary and Jesus. And I'll just say, even, even before this section, so what happens is, you know, Lazarus gets sick, Uh, And Mary and Martha are like, Jesus, we know you can heal. We've seen you heal before. So do it again. Do it for um, Lazarus, who is sick and is dying. And in a really interesting and frustrating decision, Jesus decides, okay, yeah, like, I I, um, know that this situation is for God's glory, but I'm going to stay where I am for two more days and Lazarus is sick and dying and Jesus does not go to Lazarus for two whole days and by the time Jesus gets there Lazarus has already died um and so Martha you know comes to Jesus and is like if you had been here you could have done something where were you Jesus why weren't you here and um this whole interaction with martha and and how jesus like well i'm the resurrection and the life do you believe this and martha's like yeah um and so there's this kind of whole exchange and then mary is at home during this whole time and so then she goes to jesus um and again it's the same phrase actually mary and martha say the same thing they say if you had been here if you had been here jesus lazarus wouldn't have died And I just, I don't know. There was something about that phrase, that exchange, that vulnerability, that honesty to really kind of lament to Jesus and to be honestly, to be resentful. I think it's actually okay that Mary is a little bit resentful in this moment of saying like, we know you can heal. We've seen you do it. We asked you to come. We asked you to do something, but you didn't. Where were you? why did you allow this to happen? It didn't have to be this way. If only you had come, this wouldn't have happened. And there's just something really, I think about that, if only you had been here. There's, you know, there's really that sense of like, it didn't have to be this way. And I've been thinking about that because For a lot of us we've been talking about that in this pandemic time right that it's not just that we're seeing tremendous amounts of death and sickness and loss. Um, It's not just that we're in this time of being separated from one another there's just it's also that. There's a lot of things that make you feel like it didn't have to be this way. I mean, I mean, even thinking about states, Asia, as you said, like states that are reopening and people who will get sick from COVID and die from COVID because states are reopening early and removing mask mandates and doing all these things. I think there's a way for me that I just get upset. I think many, many of you might relate to this feeling like it didn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. Um, and I was thinking about other nations like, and I, granted, you know, some of these are smaller, but like Taiwan or New Zealand or places where COVID has almost been like just eradicated because they, they really just did what they needed to do. And I, I was like, what if, what if our country had said we we're gonna all strictly lock down for two to three weeks. The government will provide us what we need for that period of time. like literally everyone just really buckled down did what they needed to do um strictly quarantine distance like how much less this this pandemic would have affected our country and there's a way that it feels like it didn't have to be this way um and in, in addition there's like ways like what if our economy was set up in a different way that the vulnerable Um, were protected, that those who are poor and vulnerable and marginalized, they were prioritized, their health was prioritized, what if? Or what if our country didn't have this long history of systemic and generational racism that led to such disproportionate health outcomes in the midst of this pandemic? Or what if our leadership in times of crisis was actually um, selfless and generous and not about political gain, but about the good of all? Like, what if we had seen that, right? Um, what if what if people in our communities were coming together to share to protect one another to care not about themselves but to care about the needs of the most vulnerable and those around them their neighbors to truly love their neighbors as as themselves I think there's a way that as we think about these things we would have potentially seen a really different outcome and there's so many what ifs this feeling of it shouldn't have to be this way and I was actually looking at sort of the stages of grief Um, and one of the stages is this thing called bargaining and it is a sort of like a reality of uh, if only or what if statements there's ways that we just like it didn't you know what if this had happened we kind of make these bargains um, trying to make that grief go away and yet the reality is that those things aren't true that um, despite the feelings of what it what if we you know, didn't have these realities or it didn't have to be this way. The truth is that we are facing uh, a lot of ugliness, a lot of death, a lot of loss. Um, many of us have lost loved ones. Uh, many of us have seen the ugliness of humanity, the ugliness of our political system in this past year. And so what does Jesus do in the midst of that? And I am struck by this interaction with Mary and Jesus, because in the midst of Mary saying, if only you had been here, um, you know, there's so many things Jesus could have said, I think. Jesus being fully God and fully human is like this weird tension. Right. And, and Jesus in that moment could have been like, but don't you know that I'm actually going to raise Lazarus from the dead? Or don't you know who I really am? Or don't you trust me? Or don't you know that I'm really God? You know, instead of saying all those things, which he really could have said, and been like, don't doubt, you know, like have belief, be encouraged. (laughs) Jesus could have said all those kinds of things. He could have tried to push away her feelings of uh, resentment and anger and grief and lament. Um, especially because he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead shortly after. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't say those things. He sees Mary grieve. (sighs) And he is deeply troubled by her grief. He is moved in his spirit and he joins her. He joins her. Jesus weeps. Jesus weeps. He sits there in that space of grief with her. He joins her, his whole body expressing such deep love for Lazarus, deep love for Mary in this moment that he also grieves in his body. And, and grief is an embodied thing. <laughs> grief isn't just something we think in our head. Grief is in our, lived in our bodies, right? And Jesus in his very fleshy, fully humanness, actually his body grieves. And I, I've been thinking about this, like what did it look like when Jesus wept? Was his body shaking? Were tears coming down? Was he sobbing? Did he fall to the ground? Was he crying out and wailing? Was he silent, but just tears were streaming down? I don't know. But we do know that Jesus does weep. And that his response to Mary's frustration, her anger, her resentment, her feelings of, if only you had been here, it didn't have to be this way, is that Jesus actually joins her and sits with her Even knowing that resurrection is coming soon for Lazarus, even despite that reality, he comes and he joins her. And so friends, I just want to say today that it's possible to have faith in Jesus, to believe that Jesus is going to make all things new and make all things right. We can believe that and still feel grief about the present moment. We can hold those things together. We can hold hope and resurrection and yet still feel grief for the death and loss that we see around us, the pain of the present moment. And what we believe to be true about our future with Jesus, it doesn't erase what we are feeling in the present with Jesus. And Jesus is with us right now in the present moment, whatever we're holding, whatever we're bringing in. Jesus is with us there. We don't have to move to this future hope of all things being made right and all things being made new. We can hold that, but also we can face what we're feeling right now in this moment, acknowledging the pain, acknowledging the grief, acknowledging the injustice, the unfairness, the unrightness of what happened and it didn't have to be this way. And we can be honest about that.